Hi, this is Swapna. This is Ray. Welcome to the Dreams and Hope podcast. It's great to be back on. Swapna's been out of town for a little bit at a conference. Yes, it was it was a fun fun trip. Where'd you go? This year the conference was in Toronto and so the I mean it was beautiful with the fall colors oh, and gorgeous orange and red and yellows. It was just beautiful. Yeah. I bet that is. I've never been to Toronto. Uh, is it your first time to go or have you been before? I've been before. The conferences, uh, most like most of the time for conferences, but also my very good friend lives there. So we we like visiting Toronto. Yeah, cool. Very good. And what the conference, what was the conference about? Uh, the conference was about just... Uh, child psychiatry, child and adolescent psychiatry. So it was just professional development conference that happens every year. It's like an annual conference that happens for for every specialty. It was fun. Yeah, good. And you had a part of it? Yes, I was talking on embracing self-compassion. Okay. So it was, it was interesting how... You have all these plans and some of them do not work out. It's like you you lay out a plan and then life happens. Yeah. So is it something you did by yourself or did you co-teach it with someone or how did that how did that work? It was uh, it was like a wellness workshop. So we hmm. did it with a a group of uh, four three other three other women. And we uh, at one point one point we had this uh, fascinating sound bowls that we used it was so fun because mm. i learned it for the first time and uh, there is this huge tibetan sound bowl that you actually put over your head like you are wearing a helmet and <laughs> it's pretty cool because you're it's almost like you're immersed in the vibrations so it interesting it's it fe- felt really different i tried i volunteered myself i tried it out and it was pretty cool yeah so what what does that sound like when you're inside the bowl just these uh, just these vibrations like uh, like humming vibrations very pleasant hmm. very soothing and uh, so in some meditations, there are these vibrations that you can do like like in in India, we have this meditation with the chanting of one specific, uh, I don't know if it's alphabet, Om is kind of what we chant and it's uh, when people do it right, it can, uh, it can be quite, uh, quite amazing as a, hmm. as a practice. Interesting. So the so the workshop and then talking about the bowls was about self compassion along the along the same lines. And then how did that correlate? How did the the bowls well, and sound the bowls was part of it? We were just kind of uh, sharing, owning our stories, and talking about like the pandemic and how things have been different and hard because of the pandemic and kind of like we are left with 
with uh, i think we have we are kind of reflecting on the experience of 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 the last couple of years so this was our first in person conference since 2019 like post covid wow. so that was also actually kind of a significant milestone yeah so life is coming back to whatever normal is today and some some of the rituals and some of the things that we had pre pandemic like social things it's hard to get back into the rhythm of things and then just the losses the collective losses of pandemic yeah does the um the new normal or new path based on curiosity because i i'm i'm sure that getting back to what it was before is never going to happen so maybe the chance to reset or or forge a new path or be curious about things that are important and not and are, that are not important maybe yes and then you know expecting a lot from yourself is good because i guess you can drive yourself but then often that brings brings a lot of anxiety and worry and stress and uh, i feel it's hard to hard to really be kind to yourself i think it's for many people it's easier to be kind to others but have the same kindness extended to yourself is harder sometimes yeah we're um, going through a topic at church the last 3 weeks we'll have one more week but it's about uh, unforgiveness or the idea of forgiveness and it's very tied to the self compassion this weekend i talked about the the sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself uh we're a lot harder on ourselves than you know giving someone else a pass and so when you say self compassion or or grieving maybe the loss or the experiences the last couple of years i think a lot of it is the letting go um or giving yourself a pass uh because if you can sit there and you won't uh be compassionate to yourself or if you won't forgive yourself you're really creating an uh, an unhealthy mindset and environment in your soul um because all of us have things that we've <laughs> experienced or done or maybe some missteps or um the way we responded to our story the way we responded to life even the the pandemic the way we responded to the pandemic maybe we, we didn't like what we we didn't like what we saw and so giving yourself grace giving yourself a pass is important so true and you know we all make decisions based on who we are the context we are in mm-hmm. and so they sometimes are can be wrong in a different context or or we can make mistakes so that's mm-hmm. it's been an interesting thing thing yeah. to to just be more curious and more self compassionate So yeah, it was fun. That's good. Well, I'm glad you uh got to experience that and and that you're back. So, how'd your family do with you being gone? They were fine. They Three are... boys at home is probably a big party. <laughs> they they were having a little bit of a party, I think. <laughs> so then you come back uh in Diwali. Now, yesterday was Diwali, but is it a several day um festival or is it just yesterday? It is a 5-day festival but it's also a very family family oriented one so it's really very all families have their own small 
traditions and rituals and it's celebrated a little bit differently in different parts of the country so in my childhood it was very we had a we had a ritual of like getting together with family on my father's side and having these five days of firecrackers and food and mm. uh, cousins and uh, and uh, we and new clothes and and waking up early some days and uh, so there were lots and lots of fun elements to it which uh, which some of it i miss because it's really hard to recreate recreate what we had growing up yeah but at the same time i do want to share what we had growing up with with my children so that's kind of my hope and wish that they they get to see a little bit of the magic yeah so is is it a in in the culture where you grew up or in in the country is it a like a new year festivity is it a middle year festivity what like what does it actually entail those five days the celebration so maybe maybe explain what diwali is and like actually what like what it means so it's a five day celebration it is based on the lunar calendar so it's a little bit different okay. than the calendar we follow it falls on a different day every year and and it is like maybe you can kind of say there is fresh start every year after diwali happens the first day is kind of devotion or excuse me the devotion or worshiping the trade appliances things like that second day is uh victory over evil and you kind of wake up in the morning and have a little effigy of a demon that you burn with firecrackers and then take a sh- early morning bath which is which is with um with special oils and uh, special things and then with a with like a little ritual of we have this plate of light a little plate with a little oil lamp which we have a ritual of really just kind of blessing by rotating a full clock a full clockwise turn around the face and that's kind of the it's really powerful because usually the women do it and um and they are really in this position of blessing so we have lo- lots of these small things that we do the third day is kind of worshiping goddess of prosperity and uh, money the goddess lakshmi that's a big one fourth day is to celebrate love between husbands and wives and then fathers and daughters and fifth day is celebrating kind of the relationship with brothers and sisters and it's not just brothers by blood it could be neighbors it could be just kind of these connections that you have with with the with the between the the bond of protection between a boy and a girl so so anyway at the end of it it's a one big party with five different uh, festivals rolled into one lots of food and we would get like a two week 
holiday in school. So it was <laughs> it was a Christmas oh, yeah. for sure growing up. <laughs> no, that sounds like fun. So the so it's almost like a resetting of the of the where you are. Like even the the day that you're talking about the friendship or the the bond of, of siblings, but also uh, neighbors, maybe a refreshing reset, restart, you know, let the past go and go to the future. That's, that's a, that's a powerful thing. Uh, and, and actually right in line with self-compassion. So very interesting. For sure. All the festivals. And as we come on the festival side of things in the year, right? The Halloween and right. Thanksgiving and Christmas, this is our season. Diwali mm -hmm. and Halloween usually are very close together. Okay. So I often want to like celebrate Diwaloween, which is <laughs> the hybrid. <laughs> Diwaloween. <laughs> yeah, funny. it's like That's the funny. hybrid of two. Yeah. Best of both worlds. Yeah, a when I was a kid in Costa Rica, there wasn't a lot of Halloween. It was more the next day, the, the Day of the Dead or the All Saints Day. It's the definitely has morphed over the centuries but um there wasn't a lot of celebration on the 31st of october but the first of january uh, november was very uh, kind of uh, lifted up um so so tell tell me more about that i'm curious um we didn't really growing up uh, we didn't do a lot of the nationally traditional things so it's hard for me to even speak into it but like halloween never really celebrated no not it. halloween yeah. i meant the well, I'm just saying when we moved to Costa Rica, uh, I was nine years old. And so we had like this crossover experience where, um, you know, have the United States where it's very 31st of October, but in Central America, they didn't dress up necessarily later. They did because it got commercialized. But in the, when I was a kid, they didn't. But the first was kind of the day of the dead or the all saints day is there's different names for it, but, but really in some sense, it was a dark day, um, kind of lifting up darkness. But then in another sense, it was a almost a memorial day for um, people that have, have died or people that are saints, patriot saints, very, very Catholic driven, um, which I didn't grow up Catholic or, <laughs> or, or very religious as far as um, uh, traditional things go. But um, in, in Costa Rica, as I got older, uh, 15, you know, in my teenage years, then there became this hybrid 31st and 1st experience where people would dress up and and uh, but then also celebrate the Day of the Dead. Other countries are a lot more uh, Panama um, and even North in Nicaragua is a lot, we're a lot more serious about it. But how about in Mexico? They also celebrate the yeah, Day of the I, Dead, but it's very different, right? It it's is different. On a yeah. different and I don't know much about it. I, I, I would probably know, you'd probably know more than I would. Um, but it is different there. There is something different that it happens, but I don't know. Traditions are interesting because in the United States, we have, you know, Thanksgiving, um, Christmas, um, and then the 4th of July are kind of like the national things. But then there's a whole bunch of other things mixed in based on regions that you live in, the culture. And then also, you know, who lives there? So mm -hmm. it's hard. It's hard to have a unified countrywide um, celebration outside of Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Fourth of July. You know, pretty much outside of that, it's regional. And and uh, there's things that we all kind of acknowledge, like um, uh, Valentine's Day or um, even Martin Luther King Day or 
Um, you know, when I was a kid, it was called Columbus Day. Now it's called Indigenous Day. So there's there's things that are recognized across the country, but the celebrations and the pause in life are pretty pretty rare um, in the United States. It's not the same as other countries. Other countries yeah. really stop. Um, when we lived in Panama, uh, Christy and I lived there for a while. They are very influenced by um, uh, there's uh, there's Arab uh, people uh, that are from the Middle East, but then there's also uh, Jewish people. And if you know their religious calendars, uh, both for Islam and for Judaism, it's an amazing calendar. And so there's several seasons where malls and businesses, they just shut down. They're just not even open. Um, and it's a modern country, very modern um, economy. But <laughs> there's certain seasons where you can't go shopping or anything because there's nothing open because uh, they're heavily influenced by both Judaism and Islam. So very oh, interesting. I had no idea. Yeah, very interesting. That's Panama, though. That's different than any other country in Central America. But so, how long? How many years did you live in Panama? Uh, not even a year. Uh, it was just when when Lily was. We were adopting our daughter, Lily. We had to move there, and so we were there. It was in two thousand nine. Most of two thousand nine, we lived in in Panama. But I, since Lily is a Panamanian, I started going to Panama in two thousand six, and. Pretty much until 2015, I was in Panama every year, um, so it was a big part of our, big part of our life. Panama is different uh, as far as the superstition, the very, um, very, um, kind of Caribbean, as far as like the the mentality or the or the the, the spirituality there is very. Um, um, how do I put? It? I can't even think of the word to use right now, but it's it's not catholic influenced and it's not christian influenced it's not you know western religion it's very um jamaican um creole uh superstitious magic stuff like that um so it's a little different you can go to the supermarket and buy magic potions and stuff <laughs> so it's different than when i grew up in in costa rica so oh wow that's magic potions for what uh love potions curses um, growing. So plants, you want to curse someone, uh, and so yeah. you get a potion. And you go then buy you the stuff, and you can curse someone. <laughs> oh my gosh! So yeah, it's very superstitious. Very superstitious. So. Uh, well, you know what? I think there are parts of India that are quite. I mean, not not of course the mainstream, but but there are there are some areas where it feels like it's a generation or two behind. Mm-hmm. behind where the rest of india is like with the way they they live and the beliefs well and i think that's the the part that surprised me i hadn't been to panama before 2006 and when i went it's like new york city it's like a big city with skyscrapers and very modern uh, right there at the canal there's a canal that goes through there you know the panama canal and mm-hmm. so it surprised me how modernity and how modern you know how, how people were living very modernly and then there was a small supermarket that had potions and herbs and spices to curse people so <laughs> it was very interesting but i think it was really ingrained in the culture to this day um just still ingrained so really that's interesting so where do you think the origins are is it like uh because it's definitely like african or uh caribbean i there's like a it's kind of like when you go to New Orleans and you have New Orleans, you have that, that, um, 
what is that? That's a voodoo, maybe like a voodoo type of They do have something in New Orleans, yes. Yeah. So there's like this, there's a subculture of voodoo. That's really the influential part there in, in Panama as well. So that kind of thing's kind of, kind of like in the Dominican Republic or in Haiti. Uh, there's that Caribbean voodoo magic. Um, there's even in Cuba when I was there, there was a lot of that. So um, I think it's a cultural thing. But it's so ingrained, you know. There's there's stories, fables uh, that they tell kids in Costa Rica that are generations old, and it's interesting because that is like a almost like a uh, sub story of the culture, and it affects a lot of people even even today in the modern modern world. But I think we have that in the United States. We have that. I mean, that's every country has their kind of like folklore, you know, their their stories that they tell. And you think it's just a story until you're in a community that actually lives that way. <laughs> and then you're like, whoa, this is not just yeah. a story. This is actually people do live this way. So. It's like living something out of a movie. Yeah. Almost. I did a uh, I became a citizen. I naturalized as a Costa Rican a uh, long time ago. And I had to take the um, the high school exam or the the entrance uh, exam for college for Spanish history. Um, they had this whole, it's called a, a bachelorette thing, but you had to go through this study and they made me read some books that were like Costa Rica history, folklore. And so as I was talking through it with the, 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 the teachers and the counselors, the people that are getting us through the, the courses, it struck me that I should have read those books a long, long time ago because they, they brought a, a major understanding of the, the culture and the mindset and the way people think. Um, and mm-hmm. it's just natural to them. I don't think a lot of the Costa Ricans hadn't read the books, but it was more of just ingrained in the culture. Um, and I, I think I told you about my experience in Oklahoma too, but I read a book and it helped understand the cultural aspect of Oklahoma as well. So, uh, yes, we've, we've talked about it. Like, yeah, I, I think we've talked about it a couple of times, the book that kind of, uh, charts the, the history a little bit for our state. Yes. Yeah. It's a uh, called Boomtown, and it's a very. If you haven't, if if you're curious about Oklahoma, read Boomtown, and it'll it'll give you a good story about culture and history, but also present, and it's very very interesting. And it's still, I think the the instantaneous nature of Oklahoma is probably it's probably almost impossible to describe, um, but the effects are still lingering today. Just how overnight. What do you mean? Well, Oklahoma wasn't a state until one day that they opened the borders and people just came in and established cities. So Oklahoma City is in an instantaneous city. It wasn't, it didn't grow over time. It was instant. Um, the state was instant. So the the people that came into Oklahoma established Oklahoma on one day. And so you read through the book and, you know, you can go downtown Oklahoma City and there's streets that are supposed to be straight. And yet they're off a little bit because the East and the West came together and they couldn't agree to line up the streets. And so that's, that's just part of the culture here. And so once you, once you kind of sit with it and think about it, it, it'll, it'll either make you mad or fall, make you fall in love with Oklahoma. So, <laughs> and fortunately I, I read it and fell in love with Oklahoma. The same thing could be said in Costa Rica and Panama. And there's something beautiful about um, tradition and culture and, and um, things that are passed generation to generation that people don't even have to talk about, but they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. Not just studying humanity, you know, studying people. So, you know, and, and I can't imagine you being in the States and then 
reliving in your mind this experience that you had for two weeks out of school, five days with your cousins and family, and then the longing for your your sons to experience that, that they never will. They truly will never grasp what you experienced. Um, for sure, for sure. So, I feel like, it's isn't it true though, we, the experience of, of your life is just not reproducible. Right. Like you can share something, but really they have their, they'll have their own magic and they'll have their own stuff that they may or may not be able to really pass on. Like it's, it's almost always impossible to, yeah. for one human being to truly kind of share, share what makes them them. That's true. I mean, it is, it is possible, but I feel like it's, there's just so much going on in one unique life that it's hard to have have the same for something else. But at the same time, I do feel like we bring all of these positive things. There is this uh, old book that uh, that I read a while ago. It's by um, it's by one of the uh, psychotherapists in child in child. Her name is Salma Freiberg, and she talks about the ghosts and the angels in the nursery. So the angels are kind of the good things that happen and are passed on, and the ghosts are sometimes the hard transgenerational traumas that we also unconsciously pass on mm -hmm. the worries the anxieties the the sadness that we pass on to the next generation without even being aware of it some days it's true it's like riding a bicycle almost it's true well in the family generational stuff you know whether it be a genogram or or looking at our family history or family of origin it's amazing how influential that is in our life. And I, when I think about the collective humanity or the community that you, you live in, um, there's so much of the human experience that's unknowable to one person, but collectively, uh, with understanding and curiosity, we, we actually accomplish incredible things. And I think that's the value of coming together because just like your kids and my kids, they're never going to truly experience what we experienced and those fond memories, but they'll get to have their own and collectively, we just become a better human race. You know, we become a better community. Knowledge, it's it blows my mind and makes me unsettled so many times about the things that humanity has learned and forgotten just because it's 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 in a, an individual or in a community that doesn't exist anymore. And so um, that unsettles me many times because what we don't know, we don't know. And humanity is very curious and creative. And I, I can't even imagine all the stuff we've lost. And so the, the value of having a book or having a database or having this way to learn and experience together, even those cultural unspoken things, um, I, maybe that's just what it means to be human, you know, to, to, ever, to ever discover even the things that we've lost, you know. Yeah. There's so much to unpack in what you said. I, I was thinking about it as you were talking about it. Uh, yeah, that's true. And I think your family line, uh, just like mine, is in a new country, new society, new culture, and it makes our country better. It makes our community better because from somewhere around the world, people that didn't even interact with each other are now interacting with each other. And that makes our human experience so much more rich. 
possible i'm not really sure if it's all always positive no, i mean I'm, I'm not saying it's even all <laughs> on your shoulders but i think collectively it's a it's a it's a powerful thing it really is yeah i mean it's hard sometimes to kind of be different and uh, bring that to the table i feel like it's there's almost some security and uh, comfort in the familiar so i feel sometimes it's hard to to be different in any way mm-hmm. and uh, it's hard for the person who's at the table it's hard for the person who walks in to join the table because it's a new thing and so there is this always this a little bit of a dance between the old and the new or the mm. established and the new influence and the so different yeah yeah so well, and it's, I think you're, you're talking. That's reminding me of a, of these these experiences because I'm not from Oklahoma. You've lived here longer than I have. Uh, you probably know more of the culture than I do. Um, but it, when you when you first interact with someone, they are they already see different and hear different, and so they're in their minds beginning to process that okay, this interaction with this person is going to be different than I'm used to. Here's where it's really unsettling is when people interact with me they see and they hear and they don't think it's different until they find out who I am. And I think that unsettles them even more than your experience with them. And so mine is, it's like, Oh, we were expecting you to be regular. Yes. What are you? Yeah, Who are are you? you? What is this thing? (laughs) So I'm definitely not from this culture. I'm definitely not from this area. And so my mindset's different. The way I talk and act and think is different. And so it, it does people assume and so I almost think that it's better. I don't know if this is probably not a better or worse. It's just different. When people see you and Amaya and interact with you, they're already, they already know to accept that there's going to be something different. But with me, it's almost like a bait and switch. I've unsettled them because, oh, he's not like us, <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, but when when you grew up in Costa Rica, you were the different one, right? Yes, you yeah. looked different. Oh yeah, I was the one that on the other eye, other side. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah there was all the assumptions. Uh, you know, number one, he's got blue eyes and white skin. They called me blonde hair. I don't have blonde hair, but they said I had blonde hair, and so they automatically assumed they weren't going to understand any words that came out of my mouth, <laughs> even though I spoke perfect Spanish. So, you know, just out the gate, there was already this assumption that, ah, we're not going to be able to communicate. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so anyway, but so now I'm on this side and having a different kind of experience because it's a different thing to be seen and not understood. Um, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if I can explain that correctly. Seen but, and not seen. So I think yeah. we all crave to be seen for who we are. I don't think we necessarily require validation, but just kind right. of uniquely to be seen right. is something that uh, that I I believe is like a fundamental human craving. Yes. Maybe even over- unconditionally, like like yeah. a mother sees a child. Yeah. And it's, I think love probably is at the basis of it because when you see someone like a mother and a child, or you see another human being and you actually see them, that's love. There's love there and love changes the dynamic of humanity. 
Um, and I think that's probably, if we could diagnose the biggest problem in our world, it's that fact of love. Just We just don't truly see each other and don't love each other. Um, and, and sometimes we can't even see ourselves. I, I think going back to your first thought in the conference in Toronto is sometimes we just can't even give ourselves a pass and love ourselves. So that's, that's true for sure. Um, also, when we are not seeing others, I feel like we are seeing them through our own lens, the lens of our own needs, like our, our yeah. own unmet needs. Uh, and I feel like we all have all these unmet needs. And so when we are interacting, maybe we are trying to get some of the, those needs met, but it really doesn't work because maybe we are not even aware of what we are trying to do. <laughs> so it's, I feel it's complicated. Uh, it but, is complicated. <laughs> it is complicated. But I have, I, I feel like I have to choose hope over, over uh, despair. <laughs> Agreed. That's we can agree on that a hundred percent. Hope, hope is powerful. Um, the hope for a better tomorrow for our kids and even for ourselves. I, I, I agree. Um, yeah. There's way too much despair in this world for us to give into despair. So. <laughs> True, but is it can hope sometimes be just foolhardy? Like you're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, chasing something that may never happen, and then you spend all of this effort yeah. into into a dream that really was not a realistic one to begin with. <laughs> I think, and and you and I, we we went 33 minutes and we didn't actually talk about something I wanted to talk with you about. We can talk about it next time. But I think what you're talking about describing is sometimes truth doesn't feel like hope, but truth is hope. And so, yes, there's, I, I do agree. There's people that live in a fantasy, I guess, or a bubble of unrealistic, an unrealistic life. Like they could be, you know, completely, depressed and isolated and completely not living a life that they should be living. And yet they feel, Oh, I have hope and I'm, I'm okay. And they're not acknowledging the situation they're in. And so that's not when I, when I say hope, that's not what I'm, I'm not talking about foolishness, you know, or, mm -hmm. or putting yourself in danger or being in a abusive situation and just saying, Oh, it's okay. You know, I'm not talking about that. That's, that's foolish. Uh, there's a difference. I think hope is wild and radical but I don't think it should be foolish, you know? Yeah. Because hope drives us tomorrow. I mean, the, the reason we get our kids up in the morning and take them to school and, and feed them and have a loving home is the hope that they will be good, productive citizens and pass it on to the next generation, you know? So that our hope is not unrealistic, um, but we could, we could destroy them by not doing that, you know? So. But, In, yes. So. Uh... Destroy them, meaning that we, if we were not showing up for today. Yeah. Destroy is a pretty big word, but I, the trajectory of their life would be ineffective if we didn't, if we didn't do today based on the hope we here have for tomorrow. You know, um, I think hope makes our actions today do something because if we're just always thinking about the future, today will never be today, you know, and that's with our kids. That's with our spouse. That's with our work. That's with our community. Um, so today I'm going to do something today with hopes that tomorrow, tomorrow will be different yeah. or better. You know, it's almost like the path we set ourselves on. Right. And yeah. we build, build all these little chains that link to the, 
that link to the tomorrow yeah. the the hope of tomorrow so yeah it's it's a small step but that's that's what we keep doing the right. the multiple steps the direction we are heading yeah and even if we get knocked down or or knocked off course a little bit or whatever hope brings us back to to say that you know tomorrow is going to be tomorrow and let's let's do something today so tomorrow comes you know yeah so well i think i'm going to we let's have a shorter podcast today let's do it and we will end on less than 45 minutes which is our usual podcast <laughs> but uh, let's end a little sooner today this is always great to chat with you about yes, nothing you. <laughs> <laughs> about nothing and about everything so nothing and everything for sure about <laughs> dreams and hopes that's right that's right so well great to have you back in town and great to see you again and, and looking forward to what happens today so thank you yes uh this is swapna and i'm ray and signing off for dreams and hope take care